0: This is The Guardian.
1: Today. HS, too expensive? What will it mean to derail Britain's plans for high-speed trains?
2: It's been weeks since the rumours first began. There's this guy on Twitter, he's called Political Picks, and for years and years and years he uses his long lens camera to take pictures of documents that MPs and whatever are not covering up. And at least once a year he uncovers some major political scoop. And despite this being common knowledge,
1: Political Picks struck again
2: a political aide was spotted going into Downing Street, carrying a piece of paper which strongly suggested that Rishi Sunak was considering making major changes to HS2. A long lens leak. Not how Rishi Sunak would have
1: wanted to unfurl his plan to cut the Birmingham to Manchester leg of HS2. Nor is it a plan that Downing Street would publicly confirm or deny ahead of the Prime Minister's speech at the Conservative Party conference today.
2: I know you want to keep asking, I know there's lots of speculation, but all I can say is I'm not going to be forced into
0: a premature decision. What I want to do is make the right decision for the country.
1: After 25 billion pounds spent so far, an estimated 30,000 jobs committed to the project and thousands of acres of land brought up, HS2 has gone off the rails.
0: I'm really, really angry. Just give us the truth. We just want the truth. Are you going to scrap it or not? It's not fair at all.
1: And now Rishi Sunak is expected to greet his audience in Manchester, inside a former railway station, to deliver the news that Manchester's promised high-speed rail network is in jeopardy. Critics say it is being scrapped. Sunak claims there are better alternatives on the way.
0: You know, there is no way at all on God's earth that if this line had started in Manchester and was going down the country, that the the London leg would be scrapped. That just would not happen.
1: From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus How HS2 Ran Out of Track. you're the Guardian's North of England editor and you've been covering the saga of HS2 for well over a decade. As we've just heard, it's one of the most expensive and controversial infrastructure projects that the UK has embarked on. Now it looks like it's totally falling apart. What's going on?
2: Well, as I sit and talk to you now, we are expecting that the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, will use his party conference speech in Manchester to announce that he is scrapping the northern leg of HS2. So that's the bit of the line that would run northwards from Birmingham to Manchester. For weeks now, he's been refusing to confirm or deny, but we're certainly expecting that that's the announcement he's going to make today.
1: Ellen, what do we know about how Rishi Sunak got here? What do you think has been informing his thinking over the last few months?
2: So ever since he became Prime Minister, there have been a sort of succession of reports from different bodies suggesting that HS2 is essentially a basket case, over budget, undeliverable. And, you know, perhaps the final nail in the coffin for HS2 getting to Manchester was a report from the infrastructure watchdog, which is called the Infrastructure and Projects Authority.
0: A red warning was issued for the first two phases of the line that run from London to Birmingham and then on to Crewe in Cheshire.
2: It said. In July this year, that HS2 was unachievable, and that there were major issues with project definition, schedule, budget, quality, and/or benefits delivery, which at this stage do not appear to be manageable or resolvable, and that the project may need rescoping and/or its overall viability reassessed. That's pretty stark words from the infrastructure watchdog.
1: And what were the initial plans for HS2? Can you remind
2: us of the actual routes, where they were proposed to go? and how it came into being. So it's a long old story, the saga of HS2, and we need to cast our mind back to the noughties and to the dying days of the last Labour government when Gordon Brown was the Prime Minister. Gordon Brown was very excited by what he was seeing on the continent, so particularly in France with their TGV, fast train network. He'd also been to Japan and been on bullet trains. And he thought, we need a bit of that in Britain. And he was also flushed from the success of Britain's first foray into high-speed rail, which was the link from St Pancras to the Channel Tunnel, which had been completed on time and on budget in 2007. So in 2009, he gave a speech saying, we're going to invest £20 billion in high-speed rail and there was sort of vague talk about connecting London and the north. The name High Speed 2, HS2, didn't come until 2010 when they released a prospectus, which covered in more detail this idea for a network, which they estimated would cost about £30 billion. And what was the line looking like at that point? What was it connecting It was actually January 2012 when the coalition government, remember them, they committed to building HS2. So essentially it was a line from London-Euston that went north to Birmingham and then it split into two. There was the western leg which went to Manchester via Crewe and then the eastern leg would go up through the East Midlands to Sheffield and then finish in Leeds. It was actually a really popular project at the time. Caroline Lucas, the sole Green MP, she's always seen it as an environmental catastrophe. But apart from her and a few naysayers, there was broad and really quite full-bodied enthusiasm for HS2. The reality is that HS2 is a vital investment. It's essential capacity and it will change the economic geography of the country. It will mean that London and Manchester
0: are just an hour apart.
1: Went through successive governments, the ambition seemed to get bigger. We remember that Boris Johnson was very big on his talk about levelling up the north and linking it together properly through high speed rail. How did that become such a
2: huge part of HS2's sell? I would say HS2's real champion was George Osborne. In 2014, he came up to Manchester to deliver what came to be known as his Northern Powerhouse speech when he talked about connecting the great cities of the North via vastly improved transport links. And that included HS2 to Manchester and then something which he called Northern Powerhouse Rail, which was going to be a new transport network linking Liverpool in the west to Hull in the east. So he was the one who put transport at the heart of his Northern Powerhouse agenda. Then when Boris Johnson became Prime Minister in 2019, he essentially repackaged it as levelling up. And in 2020, just before the COVID pandemic, he committed to building High Speed 2 all the way to Manchester and Leeds.
0: So today, Mr Speaker, the cabinet has given High Speed Rail the green signal. We are going to get this done.
1: Most people understand HS2 to be a rail link that speeds up train travel between Manchester and London, essentially. But it's actually about capacity. It's about increasing the number of passengers that can travel. Why is that so important?
2: Yeah, the proponents of HS2 kind of rue the day that it ever had the words high speed in the name because they say that's actually a bit of a misnomer. I mean, it is true that HS2 would significantly speed up journey times, but actually the original vision for HS2 was less about speed and more about freeing up capacity on our Victorian railway lines, which are essentially full. So particularly on the West Coast line, there's just not enough space for all of the services that need to travel on there. So the idea was by building a brand new line, you take the fastest trains off The old line, and then you free up the old line for the really important local services as well as for freight trains. And dare I ask, where does it all stand today? What's left of the original plan? So, sitting here now today, we know that there's a 140 mile section of HS2 which will be built because it's already massively under construction. And that will go from the suburbs of West London, from a place called Old Oak Common. To Birmingham. It's not quite in the city centre of Birmingham. It's to a new street called Curzon Street, which is about a 15 minute walk from Birmingham New Street, the main kind of Midlands interchange. That section is already under construction. And when Rishi Sunak in recent weeks has kept on banging on about spades being already in the ground, that's what he's talking about. The spades are in the ground. And if he cancels that bit, it would be bananas because the government's already spent £22.5 billion building that section of the railway. That's called phase one. What it hasn't actually started construction of is anything north of Birmingham. And that's the bit that we are anticipating he's going to cancel or at least put on ice.
1: Helen, once the coalition government made firm commitment to build this new network,
2: how much was HS2 expected to cost at that point? So by the time the coalition government committed to building HS2 in January 2012, the costs had risen to £32.7 billion And that's partly, let's remember this, that they decided to put some really, really expensive tunnels underneath the Chilterns, which is where a lot of Tory MPs have their constituencies. They were very loud, vocal opponents to HS2. So the compromise was, OK, well, we won't spoil your fields and farmlands. We'll tunnel under the Chilterns and tunnels are massively more expensive than building overground. By the time we got to June 2013, the government admitted that actually HS2 was probably going to cost about £50 billion. Ten years on, and there's no actual official estimate for how much HS2 could cost to build it to Manchester, but the rumours are that it's exceeded £100 billion by this point. In March this year, the government had to pause construction of, first of all, the Birmingham leg to Crewe and saying it was going to be delayed by two years, but kind of probably more embarrassingly, they had to pause work at Euston. So remember, HST was originally going to come into central London, which would make sense, you'd think. But they decided to pause that and, in fact, have trains stopping six miles east out at Old Oak Common because they said that costs of just that little leg, that six-mile leg in London, had doubled to almost £5 billion. Crikey. What does the balance sheet look like right now? And what has been delivered
1: so far for that money?
2: Every six months, the government has to deliver a public update on where it's at with HS2. So the last one that they put out was in June 2023. And at that point, the government had spent £24.7 billion The vast majority of that, so 22.5 billion, was on phase one, which is London to Birmingham. But it's worth noting that even though there are no spades on the ground in the northern section, it's still spent a lot of money. For example, HS2 has already spent almost 600 million pounds buying property in the north of England. So that's property that's directly in the train line or houses, farms that are so near to where it would be that they're quality of life would be terrible and they'd never be able to sell their homes. Famously, the comedian John Bishop, he sold his Cheshire mansion to HS2 for £6.8 million because he said that he would never be able to sell it again. Right now, the government and HS2 don't seem to want to admit how much they think it would cost to build in full, but the estimates seem to be in excess of £100 billion. Helen, why has it spiralled so much? I mean, it's a mixture of things. I mean, most recently, there have been huge inflationary pressures, which we can all understand. Anybody that's tried to buy anything knows that costs have spiraled. But it's also a kind of symptom of living in a democracy. So it's really difficult. The planning process is really tricky. We are an ancient country with ancient woodlands, and all manner of environmental surveys have had to be done. There have been loads and loads of legal challenges over the years that have swallowed up money. Another reason that HS2 costs so much is that they're arguably paying their executives far too much. So in May 2020, the Public Accounts Committee of Parliament questioned why HS2's chief executive at that point was paid a £46,000 bonus on top of his £605,000 salary. But there's loads of people on HS2's payroll getting paid in excess of £100,000. And also the costs are just part and parcel of trying to build something complicated half underground in a densely populated country. Who has HS2 affected
1: so far? And can you tell me about some of the stories you've reported on?
2: I mean, one that really sticks in the memory involves the unfortunate people of a housing estate near Doncaster called the Shimmer Estate. And Shimmer was not on the map when the HS2 engineers plotted HS2. They thought that they were routing HS2 basically through some derelict land And then in 2016, when the route of the Eastern Leg was published, people on the Shimmer Estate, some of whom who had moved in the day before, found out that they were going to have to move out and that their brand new homes were going to be bulldozed.
0: They hadn't even finished the Shimmer Estate when the builders were told to down tools and leave it as it was. Hundreds of people had already moved in. But this
2: canal-side development in South Yorkshire stands in the path of HS2. They were absolutely heartbroken, many of these people. They moved out, only to hear in 2021 that the government was not going to proceed with the eastern leg. And I went back to the Shimmer Estate at that point, and it was a sorry state, really. It was half-finished. There was this really tragic-looking children's playground that was cordoned off, which they'd never bothered to finish. And the problem for anybody whose property is in the path of HS2, is even if it doesn't get the go-ahead from government, it will probably remain what they call safeguarded, which means it's basically blighted and nothing can be built on that land in case a future government wants to give it the green light and build it.
1: it's quite eye-watering to consider that over the years, the vision for HS2 has been shrunk down to the point where we're now expected to just have this leg from London to Birmingham. And I wonder, what will the impact be if such a massive part of the network is cancelled? And what, what impact will it have on the towns and cities it was proposed to serve?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's a national embarrassment that after 14 years, we're looking at a position where we're going to have a multi-multi-billion pound railway line that goes from a suburb of London to basically a suburb of Birmingham. And then in terms of the places in the north of England in particular that were waiting for HS2, there's been lots of business decisions that have been made on the basis that high-speed trains are going to come there. So that's going to affect the local economy hugely. And it's just really blighted huge pockets of land. And I think more than that, if you're in a part of the country that thought they were going to get HS2 and isn't, what does it say about the government's priorities? There were reports in The Times this week that the compromise Rishi Sunak might strike in his conference speech today is saying that instead of stopping the trains at Old Oak Common, which is the station six miles west of Euston... He might actually commit the extra five billion or so to carry on HS2 all the way to Euston. So, once again, like London are the winners. It is bonkers to stop the train in Old Oak Common, but to choose that as the priority just sends a message to the north of England that we don't matter. To be fair to
1: Rishi Sunak, what we've also heard in these rumours and what he is expected to say today is that there's also going to be funding freed up to actually make the northwest and northeast link up better through a Different rail network. What do you make of that and what has Andy Burnham had to say?
2: This is not exactly a new promise. And when Rishi Sunak was the Chancellor in November 2021, he signed off what's called the Integrated Rail Review, which essentially took what the North of England had asked for and watered it down. There's this body in the North of England called Transport for the North, and they came up with their vision for Northern Powerhouse Rail, which used to be called HS3, which is a line from Liverpool to Hull made up largely of uh, brand new lines and tunnels. Rishi Sunak signed off a really kind of weak version of that with half the money they were asked for and a kind of different, easier route. So he's already had his chance on that one, I think. And just the idea that you can pivot to HS3 or Northern Powerhouse easily and quickly is still basically a line on a map, And they haven't gone through the hard yards of legal challenges, compulsory purchases. They haven't done any of that. And it involves building a tunnel through the Pennines in the Peak District. And that's going to be hugely controversial. Oh yeah, good luck. Yeah, exactly. Good luck with that. So it's certainly not a quick fix. At party conference on Monday this week, Andy Burnham, who of course is a Labour mayor, but was still popping up at various conference events, was incandescent with rage as all of these leaks were swirling about what was going to happen to HS2.
0: This decision will affect the north of England for the rest of this century. And to pull the plug in this way is, it just says something about the way people think they can treat the north of England, about the way they run this country. And we are now fed up of it. We won't accept it
2: you've got Rishi Sunak cabinet members meeting in hotel rooms 50 metres from where Burnham was and yet they hadn't had the courtesy to pick up the phone and talk to him. And he just said it shows massive disrespect to all of the elected leaders in the north of England that they've been cut out of these negotiations. Well, I don't know, it's
1: understandable that leaders in the north and the Midlands are absolutely furious, but I wonder what Conservative MPs, MPs within Sunak's own party, what have they been saying? And then please tell me, Where do Labour stand on all of this?
2: I mean, HS2 is such a divisive subject. You had Andy Street, who is the conservative mayor for the West Midlands, famously used to run John Lewis, He's not a serial rebel. And he said, if you cancel HS2 now, you're cancelling the future, which I thought was pretty stark words.
0: The choice, very stark. Either, as the rumours say, go on, cancel Euston, cancel to Manchester. But you will be turning your back on an opportunity to level up a once in a generation opportunity.
2: But then you've got plenty of people in the Conservative Party who hated HS2. Many of them really objected to it going through their kind of leafy southern constituencies, which is partly the reason it's ended up costing so much. So they're kind of cock-a-hoop. But then you've got lots of sensible northern MPs who really fear what message it's going to send in the next general election. If the government cancels HS2 to the north of England, Like, what are they going to be able to point to after 13 years of conservative rule to say, look what we've given you? Well, at this stage, do we know how much
1: it would cost to cancel it? I mean, I'm sure there is a whole argument about let's not throw good
2: money after bad. But what are the pros and cons of that argument? If they've spent nearly 25 billion so far and it's going to cost nearly 100 billion, even I can do those maths, you've got 75 billion pounds to play with theoretically. That's the main positive, I suppose, for them. But I think the messaging is difficult. And I think it's worth remembering that actually, you know, there's been successive polls that have showed a distinct lack of enthusiasm for HS2 in the north of England, as well as elsewhere in England. But... They don't want to feel that the North England is not a priority. And if they look at this pattern of showering kind of gifts and infrastructure on London has just continued, and that London is going to be the real beneficiary of 13 years of conservative rule, that's going to be a bitter pill for people to swallow.
1: Well, Helen, the irony is that the Prime Minister is adamant that his party is working for the future of Britain, that the Tories are the party to trust when it comes to economic growth. And yet when you read what economic analysts are saying, it's the complete opposite. Can you explain that a bit more?
2: Yeah, I don't know how Rishi Sunak has the brass neck to stand in front of a slogan talking about prioritising future growth when he's apparently poised to cancel the biggest infrastructure project since the Channel Tunnel. You sound really unconvinced by
0: this. I'm totally
2: unconvinced by it, but I'm also a bit unconvinced by what Labour are going to do either. Andy Burnham yesterday was insisting that he was confident that Keir Starmer was on board with HS2. But there have been a few senior Labour MPs who have kind of gone on the radio or TV and suggested that Labour was committed to building it in full, only for members of the Cabinet to kind of row back on that and say that they're not going to commit to anything until they've seen the costings. There's definitely no firm pledge. And I would be very surprised if it becomes a manifesto commitment. But I think if they want a, a way of signalling to the north of England that they're serious about investing then HS2 is a kind of handy totemic project to support for that.
1: On Wednesday night, city mayors and HS2's biggest contractors were lobbying government at the 11th hour to try and save the project. It was a desperate scramble. Helen, what does all this chopping and changing mean for business and mean for the economic bounce that towns
2: and cities were supposed to have once this rail network was achieved? I mean, it's terrible for business because businesses plan for the long term when they're making decisions on hiring, on where they want to locate their offices or their factories. They make decisions on kind of 10-year cycles. There's quite a few of them who have already just thought there's too much uncertainty here. You know, I'm going to go over to France or I'm going to go over to Holland, for example. I met somebody who worked for a company who was just saying, We are tearing our hair out about this. And they'd written a letter to Rishi Sunak just saying, you know, we're looking at mass redundancies if you go ahead with this. So there's real ramifications for people and businesses if this is cancelled. Coming up, why is Britain
1: so bad at building big projects? Helen, one report has suggested that were HS2 ever to be completed, it would be the most expensive such scheme in the world. We're looking at an estimated £396 million for each mile of track to £46 million per mile in today's money when France opened its high-speed network in 2017, or £145 million for Japan's bullet train. Why has Britain become so seemingly bad at infrastructure?
2: Well, partly because successive governments have lacked the guts to actually go for it and just keep kicking decisions into the long grass. And prices tend not to get cheaper. They get much more expensive. So it's partly that. It's partly the way our country functions in terms of giving many opportunities for ordinary citizens to obstruct and slow down these big infrastructure projects via legal challenges and so forth but yeah i mean what an embarrassment it's going to cost so much money and take so much time i like, i went interrailing last summer and i was hopping on high speed trains across europe and then came back and the worst journey of the whole trip was the bit from london to manchester i mean i despair i really do and all this rhetoric from rishi sunak this week that the conservatives are the party of the motorists oh my god it's so retrograde
1: well also It can't look great to be repeatedly asked about cancelling a train line to Manchester when the Conservative Party conference is currently being held in a Victorian railway station in Manchester. What do you think Rishi Sunak's political calculation is here?
2: I mean, I don't think it was planned this way. This was the conversation around the conference rooms at Manchester Central, which, as you say, used to be a railway station. Like, why on earth is he doing it here? Why cancel the railway line to Manchester when you're in Manchester? So I'm sure it wasn't his choice. I think it's just come to a point where he can't do any interview. No member of his cabinet can do an interview without the focus of the interview being, but what about HS2? So I think he probably just needs to lance the boil and say something about it. But, you know, in these times, both Labour and Conservatives, they don't do anything without focus grouping the hell out of it. So I think there probably is a political calculation here, which is that a lot of people look at the cost of HS2 £100 billion pounds or more and think, that's crazy. I hardly get the train anyway. I'd rather that money was spent on the NHS or a new motorway or something. It's not as if it's going to be a decision which will be universally panned by your average citizen.
1: Finally, Helen, you sound incredibly weary and I don't blame you, but I wonder what are the people in Manchester and the North saying and feeling about all of this, people that you've spoken to?
2: I think people in Manchester just view it as a complete joke and you know manchester is so far from being a conservative city none of our mps are conservative we've got andy burnham as mayor and so forth so they see it as a joke they see it as a national embarrassment and they just see it as a sign of a government that has run out of ideas and their question for rishi sunak would be all right so you're cancelling hs2 to manchester what then You've been in power for 13 years. What can you point to to say we should take a chance on you for yet another time? So that's what I think the people of Manchester think. Helen, thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you, and I'm sorry for sounding so weary. (laughs) That was Helen Peart, The Guardian's
1: North of England editor. You can read our extensive reporting on HS2 and keep up with the latest developments on this story, including live coverage of the Conservative Party conference, all at TheGuardian.com. And that's it for today. I'm Nasheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Ned Carter Miles and Tom Glasser. Sound design is by Solomon King, the executive producer was Hummer Khalili. We'll be back again tomorrow.